0: Good morning, sitting on a hill, all right, okay, so I'm very excited today, but I'm also extremely nervous, <laughs> I think as I should be, but um, before we even start, we're just going to open up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just give you this time right now, we give you this service, we give you our minds, Father, we give you all of the things that we walk in with, Lord, and we ask that you just separate us from there right now, Lord. Lord, we ask that your, your blood just would cover our mind and our hearts, Lord, that we would be fully here, fully present, and able to engage in what it is that you want to say. Lord, bypass the humbleness of the speaker, Lord, and bring your power, Father. That is our only desire here, Father. We come to meet and hear from and experience you, Lord, and we give you this time, we give you this moment, and we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Okay. I'm going to really need you guys to engage with me here, all right? So I might ask a couple of questions, um, but if there's something that strikes you, please say amen, say hallelujah, say something, <laughs> all right? Anybody under 40 years old, raise your hand, under 40, all right? Under 40 years old, say amen. amen. Above 40 years old, say Amen. amen. The 40-year-olds have more energy than the younger guys. that's, That's crazy, all right? Younger people, you're going to have to catch up this sermon, okay? So we're going to jump right in, and we are going to be talking about, well, the title of the sermon today is The Door, and I want to highlight the two questions. How big is God? And do you have a story to tell? And we're going to back up a little bit, and we're going to kind of start from... Start from behind, and then we're going to get to our real character. Um, we are in January of 2013. Does anybody feel any different from 2012? D does. Amen, brother. Rock on. <laughs> that that's where I am at, and I'm going to be sharing from my heart. I want to feel different than I did in 2012, and I cannot wait for February. So where I'm speaking from in, in this story is going to be from the main character, and I don't want to, to gild a little too far. But I, wanted, I do want to point out where we've been. We recently heard about, from Pastor Tom about the knowledge that we need to hear, the knowledge of God's will. It's one of the themes that he was pointing out. It's something that we need in our lives. God, what are you saying to me right now? Last Sunday, Tom followed up with fasting and our need to fast and the byproducts of it. And one of those big byproducts is hearing from the Lord. It is designed to center us on what God is saying to us in our lives right now. This past Wednesday, we talked about the need for the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, we were talking about the delineation of it, but I want to preface, we're, in this particular category, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to jump in, and we're going to start off, and make sure I do this right. Am I clicking forward, clicking back? All right, just next slide me. Oh, perfect. We're going to start off in Acts. We have a little bit of reading to do. Right now, we are talking about Saul of Tarsus. And he's going to set us up for our hero in this story, which is actually Jesus, but the other guy. So we're going to start off in um, Acts chapter 7. I'm going to read the whole passage. This is the stoning of Stephen the martyr. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then he cried out with a loud voice, stopped the ears!" and ran at... Uh, they, they did that and then ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And we're talking about Saul of Tarsus. We're going to jump now to the next verse. And, uh, if we go to verse 1, chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting in his death. So Saul was there. People are leaving their coats with him, basically holding their coats, while they take stones and throw them at Stephen to kill him. Going to 8, verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. I have to stop here again. He made havoc of the church. He didn't come into this building. He made havoc of the church. And it's great. I love... This is, this is why God's so awesome, because he gives me segue. We already talked about it today. The church is not this building. The church is you guys. So Saul of Tarsus went into your house, grabbed you by your hair or tied you up, dragged you out of your house... And sent you to prison. That was the havoc he created. He created havoc in the homes of the Christians. Anybody relate to that? That's how he made havoc in the church. Now, we have to jump over now to the last verse, Acts 9, 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were in the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. This man, and it's important that we have this image, this man is a dragon. He is breathing threats and murder. Not violence and, uh, well, violence, but this is not an idle threat. This is a guy that's got backing. He's coming to your home with guys to take you out. He's tying you up away from your children, away from the things that you have to do and carting you out. And more than likely, your future is this. Or death. Do we have do we have the perspective here. It's important that we set up exactly what Saul of Tarsus was in this moment. We we think about men, this is beyond a man. This is a spirit. This 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 is death incarnate, moving about, trying to devour the Christians, trying to devour the church that's now upwelling. Okay. Let's go to our hero or our sidekick. This is great. And I just want to break this down a little bit and then we're going to get into it. We're talking about Ananias. Going uh, into Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am. Okay, (laughs) that's pretty crazy in itself. All right. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief chief priests to bind all who call on his name. But the Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that, I may, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> this is a little bit crazy. First of all, Ananias hears from God. He has a dialogue with Jesus in this vision. Not only does Jesus call him by name, but he says here I am. Ananias, yes, here I am. Naim, yes, here I am. I think God is calling all of our names. The question is, are we hearing him? And the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks about knowing God's will and fasting and the need for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, these are things that put us in Ananias' place. See, a lot of times we want to hear from God and we want to know what God's will is, but we're not doing anything along the way to hear it more. We haven't changed anything. We're in 2013. We just came out of 2012. Are we doing anything different from 2012 to hear the Lord more? What are we doing in our Christian walk to get closer to the voice of God, to get closer to the will, to go with that desire and saying, I want his presence. I want to feel his breath. I want to hear his, I want to feel his plan. That is the first part. Okay, this is where it's just fun, okay? So um, he says, here I am. Arise, now Jesus tells him, arise and go to the street called straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for, for behold, he is praying. Two things to note here. One, he tells him to go down the street called straight. He's saying a specific street that Ananias knows. He knows where the street called straight is. Everybody knew where the street called straight was. But the point of the matter is, he's telling him to go to familiar ground. He's not telling them to go to a far off land. He's saying, where you walk normally every day, that street called straight, you went down there to get some apples the other day, I want you to go back down that way again. There's a house for somebody there that I want you to meet. By the way, his name is Saul of Tarsus. Okay. <laughs> and in his vision, seeing a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him. So then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This is a very sarcastic understatement. I have heard many things, that this man breeds murder and threats at people who call themselves Christians. I have heard that this guy goes into people's houses, rips them out of their house, both men and women, he, sh- he shows no remorse either way, and commits them to prison. I have heard that this is the man that held the coats And consented while people threw stones at your servant, Stephen? That guy? And he has the authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. One more thing to note here before we jump in. Ananias, and this is really cool. He questions, Lord, I have heard, he questions where he's sending him. He's questioning, are you really sending me to Saul of Tarsus' house? Is is that really where you that's the question. He does not question God on whether or not he can heal him. Is that interesting? He tells him, I want you to go to Saul of Tarsus' house, lay your hands on this man so that he might receive his sight. He's been given a command. So two things, go to the house and heal him. The question is not about the healing. He knows that God can heal him. His question is about the murdering dragon that might answer the door. (laughs) Go back a slide for me. What I like to call the door of death. That is what he is concerned about. So, what do we have here? How does this apply? Because we, we have to talk about us because it won't make any sense later on. Where are your doors of death? What is the door of death? Well, this is a place that we're familiar with. This is a place in our lives that breakthrough hasn't come. You know, some of us, it's a relationship, a spouse, a child. Some of us, it is the thought that we're never going to have a relationship. Some of us, it's ministry. Some of us, it is uh, an offense where we've just stepped away. Or some of us, it's an area where we said, well, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that. For some of us, these doors of death that are operating in our lives, that are there, are just no-fly zones. Because all of this time, nothing's changed. Every time I go to that door, every time I deal with that, I'm experiencing death. This is the line. This is the thread, and I, and I just want to string this for you guys. So, going back to NIS's dialogue, when he asked him that question, "Are you Jesus big enough to change what is on the other side of this door?" See, it's interesting here because this isn't a, this isn't a sermon, and this is not a story about risk. God told him specifically what to do. You understand? This isn't a thing where he's stepping out in faith. He's already been given the command. So the question is, God, I know that door. And I know what I've been told is on the other side of it. Are you big enough to change what's on the other side of the door of death? Are you big enough to change what's on the other side of the doors of death in my life, in the areas of my life where I've let go, or given up, or said, I can't do it, or listened to what everybody else has said? Are you big enough to overcome the failure areas in me? This is a conviction moment for Ananias. This is an area where he has to have a gut check moment. How big do I believe God is? I believe he has power. I've seen or I've heard him heal. I believe that if he tells me to go heal you, I can go heal you. But I'm not sure, because this is, this, is, this, is this is my sticking point, if he can overcome this murdering dragon on the other side of this door, this area of fear, this doorway which represents if I go to that, not only go to it, I'm not bringing him milk and cookies, I'm going in there with the name of Jesus and offering to heal him. He dragged people out of their homes for us. I'm just going to show up at the door. For us, what is it that God's pulling out of us? What is it that God's saying, listen, I have changed things on the other side of that. And it goes down to how we look at things. It goes back into our perspective. And this goes back to how we think. How big is God for you? How big is he? Because how big God is for you determines what's on the other side of that door in our lives. It's not every door. It's not everything that we want. But there are places that God's telling us, it's time to go back. There are places where God's telling us, you need to pick that mantle back up again. There are places where, oh, we drop that ministry, we drop that desire. God's saying, guess what? I've been working on you the entire time. And I've been working behind the door the entire time. And guess what? You need to go back you need to go back to that passion. You need to go back to seeking me that way. You don't think I can do that? You don't think I can use you that way? Yes, I can. There is no murderous, breathing dragon that I can't overcome. He is a man. He is a man. He is a happenstance. I created planets. What are you talking about? He's a man. I created mountains. He is a man. Who am I? That's what I feel like God's saying. I feel like that's what he's dealing with me at. My Ananias moment is, I'm praying for my Ananias moment. I'm praying that I have the courage to walk through my areas of doors of death. That's what you're hearing from me. I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself. If you're the choir, say amen. All right. A little, a little iffy there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just got a delay. Next slide. Just the first desert one. Perspective is everything. Okay, 2012. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Instead of focusing on God is, we end up focusing on things like the news. Do I have to say anything more about the news? Keith Robinson made the accidentally called me today after watching this week after watching news and I was I was the murdering dragon. I he was like I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to listen. Like are you done yet? I'm going crazy about news because it will drive you nuts. Failures. This is mind game stuff. Offenses, offenses. You know, in other countries, when you get offended by somebody, you're shot or you lose a limb. We get offended because there's not enough milk for our coffee. Perspective is everything. Our capabilities, our feelings. This is a hard one. This is a big one. We're not sure and our can't. I can't do that. I couldn't do that. Again, more mind stuff. So when the radical request comes, we falter. But because of this. But because of that. Because she doesn't like me. Because he doesn't like me. Because I don't have the education. You know, you go back into that risk area, but, 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 but because and this, and then they did that to me, but they're going to laugh at me. But wait a sec. Hold on. If God told you to do it, who is God? If God's calling you here, that's it. End of story. Go. You're human. You're going to deal with it, but are you going to take the journey? Are you going to walk up to the door of death believing that on the other side of it, there's a door of adventure? What I loved about the Ananias story is Paul doesn't stop talking about Ananias the rest of his way. He goes to church and church, and he talks about the guy that came in and prayed over him and healed him. He knew he was a fire-breathing, murderous dragon. He knew what he was. He understood the courage that it took to walk through that door. That's a bold That's a bold move. That's a bold move. Misconception and this is something, that, this, is something that I, this is something that I'm dealing with you guys can affirm it or not I think we have a miscon- misconception of what oppression is. I think more times than not, because I'm, I'm trying to learn on who God is. I think a lot of times our oppression, what our oppression is, is actually the suppression. It's suppression, the squashing down of how we view God. We get oppressed by so many things, so many people, so many circumstances because we remove God from the story. We remove him working in us in the story. We just just wipe him out. Why am I going through this? Why can't I have that? And this and that. And then she did that. And oh my goodness, Caleb ate all the cookies and I don't get one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because we forget who God is. It's okay. I've got more cookies for you. I didn't forget about you. I use this desert, and this is going to come up toward the end, um, as an image for us. And you guys have noticed that there's tape on the floor, and we're going to get to that in a second. If I'm in the middle of the desert, one, one, uh, one, uh, a director that I like, I'm not going to name him, he did a movie in the desert, and he was talking about what the desert does to you. And he went... See? The door of death is already falling apart. Perfect illustration. He went out into the desert, and he was trying to make a movie on the scale of Lawrence of Arabia, but he didn't have the funding. So he goes out. He goes out like 10 miles out. He's out there, and he says, he tells the film and crew and everybody, leave me alone. I just need to be alone. I need to know. I need to know. I understand what it's like to be lost out here. They're 10, 15 miles away in the desert. He can still see them. He said, I need you guys to leave. I'm going to keep walking. Just Leave me alone. I need to understand what it's like to be in the desert. And one of the comments that he made is that being in the desert, it forces you to deal with yourself. There's no other external stimulus. So you're immediately put inward. Now for us, a lot of us, despite the fact that we live nothing, we're near a desert. We are living this interior life, this desert life, where we're out there, and I want to use this illustration, we're walking... But we don't know if we're any closer to a town or anything. We're just out there in the desert, hot, sweating, uncomfortable, our needs unmet. There's no AC, there's no water, there's no food. There's nothing here. We're still plodding along, but we're discouraged. We're weary. We're tired. Am I ever going to get there? And I feel like a lot of this is our Christian walk. Because we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we don't see anything happen. So then we stop praying, and things fall off. You know, we, we have these prayer requests. We have these desires in our heart that start off as prayer and faith, but it become these doors of death in, in our own spirits, in our own hearts. You, you getting me? You see where I'm going with this? But it comes from our perspective. It, becomes, it comes from our perspective on who God is and what he wants to do with us. Do we believe that God has a story for us? Do we believe that God wants to engage us in a story just for us? Something radical. Maybe it's the moment you go in and pray for your boss or or your ex-husband or you go speak to your child and it gets through. The doors have been shut all this time, but I do believe that we're coming into a time where we need to walk through some of these doors. God is calling us to say, now it's time, go, be bold. I've given you power to go and speak into that. I've given you power to go and pray in, into that. I've given you power because now is the time, because I've moved you so, I've moved you here. You don't know it because you're in the desert. You're like, ah, uh, maybe I'm next to a camel or an oasis, but I don't really know. I just see sand there and sand there. About 10 miles down, you're going to see a really, really great town. And there, that is the place that I'm leading you to. And I know that you've heard of this town before, but guess what? They're ready now. Hear it. Guess what? You're ready now. It's a product of the process. Okay. Questions. Are you sure? Is God there? Does he see me? What can he do? And does he love me? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. They shape our perspective on who God is. They're important. You need to be able to answer these. Because this determines your outlook. This is part of it. Okay. Oh, wait, I got a really good quote here. Ah, it doesn't matter. Let's go to the next thing. Okay. So, we all heard about 2012, fiscal crisis, United States. We've been in a bit of turmoil. The Spectator, uh, British uh, magazine, put out an article saying that 2012 was the best year ever. Now, this met some controversy. However, the controversy that this met was not statistical. Nobody's arguing the statistics. So, let's look at this. Global poverty is cut in half. United Nations put out a proposal to cut global poverty by 2015. They found out in 2012 that they achieved that goal in 2008. Good thing. Fewest war deaths in 2012, uh, well, not necessarily in 2012, in this past decade, than over the past century. Life expectancy is up, especially in third world countries. In Africa, in particular, it was at 40 years old in 2012. The life expectancy in Africa went up to 50. There was less hunger. There was the least amount of hunger in the world in 2012. Deaths due to AIDS and malaria are down approximately 20% globally more prosperity in the third world and their economies and their cultures are now developing at a faster rate than they ever have in in their history and infant mortality rates are the lowest ever globally see it all depends on what we're focusing on I'm not trying to paint a rosy picture we know that there's stuff going on we know that There are battles going on, that people are still dying, that kids are still starving. I'm not saying that everything's rosy. I'm simply pointing out the fact that God is still at work, that Jesus still cares about people. And where we are, and I'm just going to speak frankly, where we are disrupted because of disruptions in our comfort, where we are offended by the disruptions in our comfort, there are things going on that we have to speak out against, and Barbara shared about, a little bit about that today. But ultimately, when we're talking about the things that God is doing, He is still powerful. He's still changing countries. He's still changing neighborhoods. He's still healing. He's still giving life to children. He is still developing. He still cares. He is still here. He is still at work, and we are part of His work. Right now, for everybody in this building, He's at work in your community, in your life, in your church. You're here because this is your mission field right now. If you're called out of that, that's a different story. But right now, today, this is your mission field. What is he saying to you? I believe he's saying to you and asking me a question, how big am I to you? How much do you want from me? It's January in 2013. Do you want me now? Do you want me in March? Do you want me in May? Maybe I'll show up in December. You let me know when it's good for you Maybe we can do some, maybe you can do some fasting because I'd love to talk to you. I, you know, you're playing the Wii or you're, you're reading your books or you're into your news, or you're watching your reality television or you're going out doing all your other stuff. When, when you're ready, because I'm here, I'm a constant. I'm God, I'm a constant. Whether you want to acknowledge me or not, I'm here. I'm ready to speak to you. My point is that we have a story to tell. And I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in the gossip, reality TV. Why? Because we don't have a story to tell. We're bored. Christianity is not about boredom. Are you kidding me? This is the greatest adventure you could ever be in. If you want it to be, if you want it to be, it can be just church on Sunday and a prayer meeting once a month. It can be, you know, I say grace at the table with my children, and that's pretty cool. It can be that for you. Enjoy. Enjoy. For the speaker right now, it's not enough. It's not enough. My bones are drying up. I need more of them. I need more of them in 2013. I need more of them now. I don't want February. I don't want March. I want now. Amen? Does anybody else feel that way? I'm going to close here. I want to I jump to... I just, I just love this. I love this. I I love who God is. Because he reaffirms himself, not only in the scripture, but through the body. We're going to jump and talk about David. We're going to go into the Psalms. And I'm I'm reading this to show you God's perspective on our stuff. Okay? Psalm 142, verses 1-7. through I cry out to the Lord with my voice... With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my prosecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise you, that I may praise your name. The righteousness shall surround the righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Remember that word? Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Oh my goodness. Do you guys see this? David's crying out. He's crying out to God, saying, I'm alone. Nobody likes me. They're trying to kill me. They don't agree with me. I'm living in a cave. God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? For you guys that are sitting here, from me included, is there ministry that you're called to? Is there somebody you're supposed to be praying for? Are there areas of death that you are running from that you are just saying, God, please, do you see what's going on? I need this. I need you, Jesus. I need, I need you to go speak to him. This is the, this is the heart's cry. What is, what is that... David is really cool. You've you got to just love David. This is his ending. This is the, listen to the last line. He lists his complaint. He lists his state. He's being brutally honest. This is where I'm at, God. And what's the last thing he says? For you shall deal bountifully with me, overflowingly, exceedingly, generously, giving without limit. And then in Psalm, you prepare a table for me before before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I need a chair. Here we go. I need a chair. You have to see this. Dee, can you come over here? Jamal? Meg? Right there. Perfect. Dee, stand right there. Jamal, right there. Meg, come right, right over here. Just go on one knee, Megan. Hold this up. Just like, just right, right there. Now, I want you to, we have to open your body up like this. Yep. And I need samurai hold and evil face. Good. Megan, you know, like you're going to throw. Good. Same thing. And then Jamal, I'm going to give you the rope. There we go. Here you go. Keith, I'm going to, yeah, exactly. Keith, come over this way. Come over this way. Right there. Right there. Jamal, go, go down on one knee. But hold the rope up. Okay. Perfect. Like this. Yeah. You guys see that image? See the image? The door of death. Here are all the tools. The rope. The stone. The sword. Okay? You guys see this? These are my oppressors. These are the things that are, just, are, are, are driving me. I, 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 just, I feel like I can't get away. And this is his response. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, he prepares a table for me before my enemies. Mm. Oh, you guys still there? You can go. Thank you, thank you. It's good, thank you. That's his response. That is the image. That is the image. When you get the accusers and the things calling you this, and calling you that, you can't do this, or you're, you're this way for a reason, or you're alone for a reason, or, or, or you can't ever amount to ministry, or this ministry will never come in you because you don't have it all, or your marriage will never be this, or you'll always be alone, or you'll never get well. When, when, you're, when you're hearing these voices, or you're getting blamed out at the accuser, and part of it's like, remember this, remember this image, the door of death means nothing. He says it down with me a table just for you because I'm greater than all these things go he doesn't shout he doesn't need to shout he has power over them he doesn't need to do anything go get her I have a time with my son Go. am talking to my daughter right now get out of here that's who he is that's how big he is and that's what he's calling us to He's calling that to us right now in 2013. Not in February, not the end of January. Right now, today, January 20th, 2013. This is the invitation. Come to my table. Stop. Stop. Sit. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. And I I am the planet shaker, I am the lover of your soul, the door of death is nothing. This this is a door to adventure, this, this, is, this is just a, a reminder of how awesome I am. It's my love song, enjoy your life, enjoy the adventure. We must come to a place where we see God bigger than what is around us. He is calling us to so much more. And it, it is an offer. It is an offer. It's not a demand. It's not making anybody do anything. It's an offer. Do you want this? Do you want more of me? Do you want me to live in you? Do you want me to give you a story to tell? greater cup? Do you want to see things change in your life? Do you want to heal? Do you want to pray? Do you want to truly be happy? Do you want to get away from addiction? What do you really want? How big am I to you? That's the invitation. That is the question. I put up homework Get together with a few, a few friends. Whoever you want. Get together. Have these questions already answered. Talk about them. After you talk about them or whatever else. But talk about these first. Pray. That's it. Pray. Bring him into it. Let people know what your door is. He leads us in pulling us in he sends us out together I put references up there I read from the text in, in, uh, in Acts a great book in the pit with the lion on a snowy day is a, a great read that's it I to the pastors absolutely Lord Jesus, we just we just thank you right now, Lord. We come, we come to you, Lord, with not just humble hearts, Father, but expectant hearts. We come with you with an expectancy, Lord, that you are God, that, you're, that you want to do something in our lives this year, that you are speaking to us right now, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your son. We just ask that you would meet us as you come down to take the table. On the rows, there are lines. There are lines. You'll see them as you walk down. You're not in a vacuum. You are making progress. You are being moved. And a lot of times we don't see the progress. We don't see ourselves coming closer. But you're being brought closer. One, to two, to three, to four, to five, step by step. Whatever it is your progression is, God is moving you. And behind what you can see, he's working behind the door. Amen? So I invite the the ushers to come forward. Be blessed.